0: welcome you to episode 56 of Moving Matters. I am your host Colin Wynn. I hope Moving Matters will give you an insight into others working or have worked in this wonderful industry as I delve into the past, their present and the future. You will find a new episode of Moving Matters on the second and fourth Thursday of each month. Episode 56 is part 1 of 2, as my guest, who makes up a well-known formidable duo within the industry, spoke for 3 hours and 48 minutes, and rarely stopped for a breather, something their industry colleagues will not be surprised at. I had great fun recording with this wonderful person, and I hope you enjoy listening as much as I did recording. I am just gutted that so much of the original recording won't be heard. So, my guest began her career within the industry nearly 25 years ago, after going on a blind date with an Enigma, a removal company owner. And during the next 50 minutes, we will only discuss her challenges, what she would change from her moving past, and her high points. My guest this episode is Judith Bennett, director of Britannia Bennett's of Malvern. Enjoy. (music) Good morning, Judith. Welcome to Moving Matters.
1: Good morning, Colin, and thank you for inviting me onto your podcast.
0: My absolute pleasure. So can you tell everybody about yourself and the length of time within the industry?
1: I'm Judith Bennett, and I'm married to Alan Bennett, and we run Bennett's of Malvern Limited, or Britannia Bennett's, and we also have a company now called Malvern Self Storage. And I've been in the industry for over 24 years, coming up for 25 years.
0: And how did you get started within
2: the industry?
1: Well, Colin, I didn't really have any experience of the industry other than when my family moved house. And the irony of that is that we used an old family business in Worcester to move from Cheshire down to Worcestershire. So when I met my husband...
0: it wasn't the porter, was he?
1: No, absolutely not.
0: (laughs) Oh, driver then. (laughs) I
1: hope he listens to this because he'll laugh at that because he knows the company that moved us down here. But basically, I didn't know anything about the removal industry. I didn't even think about the fact that that was, you know, a job. That sounds awful, really. But my background is accountancy. I would say I'm not your typical accountant. I do like figures, but I like the logic of figures. I wouldn't say I was particularly brilliant at maths at school, but I do like logic. And I think that's what you learn as an accountancy student and practitioner. And I trained in private practice. So my knowledge of debits and credits and assets and liquidity ratios, I think that knowledge is actually really useful in a removal business because there are so many different types of removal business. And some are very, very small, you know, literally one van, perhaps a family, two brothers or a father and son. And then you obviously go on from there, and some of those businesses expand and grow and take on more staff or other generations in the family, join up, buy other depots, and they become bigger removal businesses. But it's having the background and and putting people in place that understand those specialist areas because cost is always at a premium.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: And I think to go back to me coming into the industry, my husband's best man joked to me once that my husband married me because I was a senior business manager in <laughs> hospitals. And I think it was something along the lines of when he found out what you did, he thought, ah, oh, I've been running this removal company on a mobile phone, taking calls whilst I'm on the van, kids in the evening, typing them out when I get back, you know, several nights a week. Actually... <laughs> If I marry her, then I've got a ready-made office office manager.
0: Oh, he's a smooth operator, that Alan Bennett.
1: Little did I know. <laughs> but actually, I've got to say, and it's, I know it's about me and not about Alan, but it is about Alan because, shall I tell you how we met?
2: Yeah, go for it.
1: So he tells all our staff that we met in Tesco's. He tells all our staff that... I crashed into him by the frozen food counter. Ah, that old chestnut. And ah, it gets better. And apparently I rammed his trolley in the queue when it came to paying time for the shopping. He did <laughs> in the queue. But actually, we met on a blind date through mutual friends, which is ironic because my best old school friend was basically moving in with one of Alan's friends. And I went round to visit them and she said, this is so-and-so and, you know, we're going to meet me. I really wanted you to meet him. So it was really nice. And I'd been there about an hour and suddenly her partner turned around and said, are you seeing anyone at the moment? And I said, you know, oh, I'm, <laughs> not at the moment. I've had a bit of a disaster at that. I was sort of thinking I'll leave all the relationship thing alone at the moment. And I've got a very busy job. So I'm kind of focusing on my career at the moment, bearing in mind I was 30. <laughs> so um, basically he said, I've got the perfect person for you. In fact, I'm going to ring him up now and you can have a chat. (laughs) Colin. (laughs) So I was really out of my comfort zone. I couldn't control the situation. He just rang his friend, which was Alan. So basically, he rang him up and he said, I've got someone here that I think you should meet. So I'm literally thinking, what on earth is going on? And the upshot is, is that we all arranged to go out at the weekend and... I remember waiting for Alan to turn up. When he walked through the door, I didn't actually recognise him because his friend had told me that he was over six foot. And all of our staff would laugh at this because Alan is six foot one and a half per Alan, but he's actually five foot (laughs) ten. Mr.
2: Bennett. (laughs) So,
1: So when he walked through the door, I thought, well, he's not over six foot, so I completely disregarded him. He walked over to the table and I looked at my friend and her partner, and of course, this was the enigma that is Alan Bennett.
0: <laughs> so clearly, the date went well because you ended up marrying the man.
1: We actually got engaged eight weeks later.
0: Wow! Yeah. Eight weeks? Yeah. Eight weeks. Goodness me. Yeah,
1: eight weeks. We got engaged. And the
0: rest is history, as you said.
1: Absolutely. And it was 25 years in September this year. So uh, to Auntie, who was in the congregation at the wedding and went, oh, probably I wonder how long this will last. I'm sure somebody must have been muttering that. (laughs) Well, we're still here on that road. So um, we must have something, mustn't we?
0: Definitely, definitely. Well, let's go back to Britannia Bennett's and the services that it offers. Now, Alan told me in his podcast that you're running four HGVs, four low loaders. You have a 20,000 square foot warehouse with 350 containers. And at the time, he did say 130 storage rooms, but you were looking to add more. Ever changing.
1: It's ever changing. It's ever morphing into whatever it needs to be, isn't it really? Well, the
0: self-storage. Yep. Increasing.
1: Yeah. Well, it's actually all about Everybody else, isn't it? It's all about customers and what they want us to be. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly.
1: We are here because of our customers and our customer base. And what do our customers want? Well, they want many things, actually, but regularly they want storage. And it's something that over the years we've certainly specialised in is offering them safe, secure storage, which is handled by teams that really care. And self-storage actually is a move away from that, because it's independent storage of the removal yeah. aspect of the business. And that's why we actually um, set up Malvern Cell Storage. But for lots of reasons, partly because Britannia Bennett's and Bennett's of Malvern Limited is a removal and storage company, but it's yeah. storage done by removers, which is the container yeah. storage. Molven Cell Storage is a storage offering to anyone who wants to rock up with their car, mum and dad's yeah. car, work van, a friend's van, another removal company. It's actually completely non biased storage to us. It's just all about the customer. So that's how I see it anyway, is that it's an independent offering that anybody can use. Well, not anybody. Obviously, there are lots of things that you can't store with us. And it's an important offering because I think that's what the customer wants. The customer wants choice, don't they? They want to be able to choose what they want. And what they would like is some advice on occasion, but they will ask for that. Then what we try to do is give them our best advice. So if I had an inquiry come in and it was given to me and it was for a young couple who are living in a flat, they've got 300 cubic foot of effects they want to keep from the flat and they're moving back with one lot of parents because they're saving for a house. Yep. Then my opinion would be 300 cubic foot, okay, a container's 250 cubic foot, stick some boxes in your mum and dad's garage and it's one container because it's affordable, it's a lot less than the rent you were paying.
0: And they don't require access, obviously, then. They
1: don't need access because they're not going to use any of these things again because they've got their personal effects with them. So my honest opinion would be this is what you need. If, however, I've got Mr. and Mrs. Jones who are moving from a manor house and it's 18 containers, I'm still going to be saying, best way to do this job, you've actually got a whole outside container, as in a 20-foot shipping container, of garden effects and things that, in my professional opinion, don't need to be stored in an internal warehouse because an external shipping container will actually hold about 1,100, 1,150, maybe even 1,200 cubic foot, yeah. But things like stone bird baths, outside pots, you know, ride-on lawnmowers, why do we want to put those in an internal container? For a yeah. start, you can't stack on them. I mean, I haven't actually seen anyone try and ride a sit-on mower into a wooden container. Um, <laughs> I should probably ask them if they even try, but I don't do that bit. But I wouldn't advise it because actually, yeah. more cost-effective to put those things that cannot get mildew or mould. I'm afraid... I'm a bit of a renegade on the 20-foot containers because there are so many people offering them now, but please don't say to me that they're just the same as internal wooden storage containers because they absolutely are not. They are anti-condensation treated, but the climate in this country is really yeah. cold mornings. I've had a Christmas day where I've been wearing a light jacket or light cardigan, not a coat. We have yeah. inclement weather in this country and there is always a risk of condensation. And I know that because I hear in our industry You do Uh, get condensation in them. So I'd never recommend soft furnishings to be stored in outside containers. But I think you can have a meeting of both. So I think the wooden containers, to me, will always have a place for non-access, professional storage where the effects are going to come out and they will be in the same condition they were when they went in. Yeah. So at the end of the day, it's a decision, isn't it, in the best interests of the customer?
0: Give them options and let them choose, but give them your recommendations at the same time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So storage, I think, is a key offering in our service. And removals and storage is what we're about. We are shippers. Yep. We will ship goods. I would say we're known for personal household removals and storage in the UK. We will ship to any country. Yeah. I feel that the shipping market For those that do a lot of shipping and have crews that go out, they perhaps have a specific crew that that go out export packing and preparing for shipments. The more you do, the faster you get. And hopefully, my colleagues in the industry would agree that if you don't do it on a regular basis or with staff changes on occasion, you end up having, God, two people that can export pack because people do come and go. And even long serving staff eventually retire or decide, you know, crikey can't do this physical job anymore and they leave. And it's the experience levels. And I'll tell you someone who's really good at export packing, guess who? Alan Bennett. <laughs> and he's not going the anywhere. Enigma. <laughs> he's not going anywhere. He's my secret card. <laughs> Poor he's Alan. a top Trump. <laughs> he is a Trump card in more ways than one. That saved the day, isn't it? But he is a great export packer and he really cares. And I'd say that does come across He takes the job so seriously, but he does like the customer to be interested in their move. And I do think as the years have gone on, and hopefully older colleagues still in the business will bear me out on this, the older you get, you do become perhaps a little cynical and you do need the enthusiasm of others to keep you going. And if you get a customer who isn't interested in their move, and you could be anyone, you're just a price, it's really hard to be interested yourself. Oh, yeah. It's a two-way thing. So I do think Alan has got to the age where if he's dealing with a customer who's not interested in their move, he becomes even more eccentric than usual.
2: <laughs> 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 probably,
1: he probably is guilty but not guilty of thinking, well, you don't care about your move. I'm just a price. So I'm going to give you all the information that you probably don't really want to hear.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but always
1: professional, you know, always the yeah. professional, which I, I hope we all are, certainly in our company and I'm, I think across the industry. We strive to be the profession that we are, but I do worry sometimes that the industry isn't given the professional credit it deserves for the difficulty of the job that everybody does, because you have to know so much to run a removal company. You could do with a degree in law, degree in finance, degree in marketing and SEO and website management and creation. You're always having to ask other professions for help, but you need to have a knowledge of that yourself. Because... When you're talking to the customer, they expect you to be all those things. They expect you to tell them when they're going to exchange contracts. They expect you to understand about the right of way that needs to be taken out of the property. You have to
0: be able to wear many professional hats. I
1: think so. I think you have to be a counsellor. And I think we offer really good counselling services at Britannia Bennett.
0: And I must admit, it's funny you said that because I never realised that side of it until I started doing the podcast.
1: Oh, my gosh. I can't tell you how many times a crew have come back and said they've had the lady or the gentleman of the house crying on their shoulder, particularly in the case where it's a sad reason for the move and it's a splitting up of the family. It's it's really sad if we've moved them into the house as a family and then we're moving them out separately. And sometimes we do both moves quite often because they've used us. It's, It's a resignation to the fact that, well, it doesn't matter the reason for splitting up, but actually we want to have a good moving experience. So actually we'll get Bennett's out and they can quote both moves.
0: What challenges have you had to overcome, then, Judith?
1: Me personally, this might not be politically correct, but I would say being a female in the removal industry is a challenge because it is a male-dominated industry. Although I do believe it's modified over the years that I've been in the industry, and I think there are a lot more women in key positions now than there were twenty-five years ago. Oh, which is most definitely. To see, I've never been someone who wears a trouser suit in order to compete. In my industry as in wearing trousers not a skirt or a dress yeah it should not matter should it no. it's how I conduct myself in the industry so I actually have never thought about the fact that why would I not be considered an equal just because I'm female and that's not banging any kind of feminist gong I run a removal company with my husband
2: yeah
0: so is there anything from your past that you would change um because obviously Alan's the removal side of it, so he's doing the move you're the office side.
1: Do you know what I'd change? If I could go back and I knew what I know now, I'd have more confidence that actually we can do this and actually we do make good business decisions, but we're a bit nervous and we tend to think about things for about... I actually joke to the guys that we've worked with on our stealth storage projects. Do you know what? We should have done this 10 years ago. It's only taken us another five years and deciding to buy wooden storage containers from a company in Herefordshire that sadly demised and making the decision to add wooden storage containers because we were full. And then I've got to say, over the next three years, we actually started to not be full in the winter. I don't know if this is the case for everyone. Certainly for us, the move was to self-storage. A lot of people wanted self-storage and you started to have the increase of Farmers that have got a load of land that they can't do anything with, so they stick storage containers on it, or someone sticks storage containers on it, shipping containers. And you have the growth of the 20-foot shipping container industry. At that time, self-storage wasn't vattable, which I can't tell you how annoying that was for removal companies.
2: Yeah,
0: and it was also the buzzword for storage.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, but not everybody wants it. And I think when people say, you know, oh, how can we sell against this? You know, it's just not fair. Do you know what? Life isn't fair. And actually, do you know how you sell against it? by the knowledge and the courage of your conviction that you sell against it because sometimes container storage is better. It yeah. actually is better, you know?
0: It all depends on the circumstances
1: of yes, the client. Yes, and liability cover and what the customer needs, you know? And I mean, I'm really sorry because I, I, I'm always honest. I have a self-storage company, but the client is mine as a storage customer. If a third-party remover moves their goods in there, they've got no liability cover for damage. Because mm. when that stuff is moved out, even if it's moved out by the same mover that isn't me, they're going to say, well, we don't know what's happened to it whilst it's been in cell store yeah. And that yeah. is the crux of you've got to look at why you need the storage and do you actually need access to it? Because what you want is continuation of responsibility. Yeah, well, I would say from a professional point of view, that's my cell. is who actually cares enough to offer you that responsibility cover? Right the way through, and do you know who it is, it's the removal company, not the self storage company. So, sorry, self store companies, but I have got one myself, so I think I'm allowed to say it.
2: <laughs> you
1: know, there is no liability there, just fire, flood, and total theft, you know. So, um, yeah, that's my take on it. So, that's what I change. I change actually confidence in decision making retrospectively, and actually, because of how debt is, and how borrowing is, and lending is, is given now. We wouldn't have been able to borrow the colossal amount of money. And I look back, you know, and do you know how I knew it was going okay when we did the build? (laughs) Because we couldn't sell our existing premises that had 90 containers in. Ha, ha, ha. I look back at that now and think 90 containers. And I actually did listen to a podcast and you actually congratulated someone when they said they've got 100 containers and they were the same as me. They were like, oh, I've only got 100 containers. And you said, well, you say that, but it's 100 containers. We're all guilty of minimizing... Oh, absolutely. And I thought exactly the same. You know, crikey, we're moving to this. When it was first built, it was 16,000 square foot. And it was huge compared to what we were used to. It had this massive capacity and it was purpose built to do storage. So three high. And, you know, we did have a bit of a game with Malvern Hills District Council planning because they wanted us to put a curved roof on it because it was attractive. And it would have cost us £50,000 more. Yeah, we were advised to go and look at the one at Stamerton Airport that was pale blue and how attractive it was. And we basically fought no. the case for the fact that we didn't have a spare 50 grand and that we couldn't store rectangular containers in a building with a curved roof because we'd waste the storage at the edges. Yeah. So yeah. we did manage to overrule that request for a prettier roof. Do you know why we needed a pretty roof? Because mm-hmm. of the view from the Malvern Hills when people are walking on it and looking down. People that live wow. on them, They need to be able to see attractive roofs. <laughs> <laughs> I look back at that now and, and we couldn't, complete on the sale of our premises elsewhere in Malvern because we've always been in Malvern we are a Malvern company we couldn't complete on the sale until we built the store to take the containers you know there was no one that would take them even though you've always got a respectful relationship with your competitors but you're not going to ask them if they can house your 90 containers you know it's just and I don't think anyone could have done that anyway and we wouldn't have put them anywhere insecure because I just wouldn't do that and neither would Alan so it was a case of right we just got to borrow all this money to start the build and get it to the point where the floor's down so that we can move the containers across. So we borrowed and bridged, I suppose, for want of a better term, and then the funds from the sale came into the account. And I remember Alan saying to me, we signed on the land at the business park, and it was all by chance. It was a four-acre plot, which we couldn't afford originally. It was the last one left. And it had a big power line over it, so nobody wanted it, basically. There's us thinking, how can we manage to get a bit of this? Because it's the last block, but it's actually got this power line. And Alan was a bit sort of, you know, oh, it's fine. You know, it's all rubbish. We're not going to get ill from that. But what we noticed was it was actually across one part more than another part. We wanted one acre. But when we looked at the pricing, we decided that if we could push ourselves, borrowing-wise, we would try and get two acres. Yeah. And yeah. I rang up the estate agents and they said, ring back next week because it's a four-acre plot, but there might be some room to manoeuvre on that next week. So I rang Alan and I said, oh, you'll never guess what, that four-acre <laughs>
2: plot, <part> can't <laughs> afford,
1: it might be being broken down. I was really excited because he really wanted to be on that business part, but it was just too expensive. Couldn't afford to do anything there. He, he believed he couldn't afford it. And that was a few years before. So we bought somewhere smaller and in a different part and you know, more cost-effective, but prices had also gone up since then the following week and she said it's been split down into one acre plots and i said okay can we come and talk to somebody
2: yeah
1: and basically we ended up committing to two acres and people that know us well will know that we went to the meeting we had our chartered surveyor down there looking at the plot they dumped a load of soil from other stuff that had been going on on the development of the whole site which was big quite big and they dumped it on the end of our plot (laughs) And so one of the reasons that it was a bit cheaper was because this mound of soil was there, which we had to get rid of. And it took us years, Colin, (laughs) because believe it or not, getting rid of soil is really difficult these days. So we bought these two acres and we signed on this day in latter part of 2003. And as we drove away, Alan's words to me were, oh, God, I hope we've done the right thing.
0: But I'm sure those words are said over many decisions in business for everybody. him,
1: I just think, yeah, come on, let's do this. Because actually, I always thought, do you know what? We can do this. Because I was used to dealing yeah. with budgets that were millions of pounds. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. But Alan has always taken care of the pennies and the pounds. As in, he doesn't want to deal with online banking, or he doesn't do that. He used to like the days of a paying in book and a you know even <laughs> a building society account when you can see <laughs> the balance. <violence. laughs> I'm not patronizing.
2: No, not at all.
1: He's a careful person and thinks before he buys anything. And so do I. But I also recognize that sometimes you just have to take a chance. And as long as you've done your homework and worked out the business plan and looked at the payback, which obviously we had to do that for the bank when we did the business plan of what we would earn from containers and what we'd all yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do look back now and I, and I wonder if, you know, other family-run businesses particularly think this. You look back at what you've done and you think, oh, my God, I can't even believe we did that now because we just we just owed so much money. <laughs> it was like monopoly. And I can remember looking at the bank balance and thinking, right, so that's where we are now, because obviously we did borrow and there was a negative sum
2: yeah, yeah. because
1: we were doing things that we needed the completion monies on the sale of the premises. And then we needed to be converted to a, an actual loan situation, which the bank backed us 100 percent of the way. And I can't thank National Westminster enough for that. They have been with us since the early days. And I remember looking at it thinking, if I work out what my VAT is and I take that out and I look at the balance, if it's less of a negative than the figure I've got, it means we're OK because it means we're earning. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: And every day, Colin, and I'm still paranoid now about the bank because in these days of online hacking and phishing, it does make you worry, especially when you're the one that does it. Alan, not doing the online banking, thank you very much. That's far too scary. (laughs) Looking at what stuff we have going on, which that's all I'm going to say on that. But, you know, it is, isn't it? You look at how you run the business and the various aspects. And, you know, you've got deposit accounts and you've got commitments in there. Mm -hmm. Corporation tax, that sort of thing. I'm not a remover who plans for the summer to pay my corporation tax from last year's accounts. I don't do that. Mark Tresler from Britannia Movers, our managing director of the cooperative, he gets that because accountants make provisions, they provide for things, they're careful. But you do also have to have that spin off of, do you know what? Yeah, I've got to take a chance on that. And that's my only complexity because I'm not your typical accountant who says, oh, you know, you've got to cut the costs on that. Often accountants struggle to increase turnover and to have the ideas about the turnover. But I've got Alan for that, haven't I? To <laughs> Or lesser extent, whatever extent, and I've got him as an ideas person, and I do contribute to that. And I'm the one that will say, "Oh well, perhaps we don't need to do that, or we can reduce the cost there." But I'm also open to sometimes you have to spend money to gain money, and I think it's having that balance that you don't constantly worry about what you're spending. And and I did feel sorry for Alan because he had been the careful one all the way through, and had had already bought premises, had then. We'd done those premises up and we'd worked and worked and worked and earned and earned and earned and not had holidays.
0: So I have one question to ask to you, and it's regarding surveying. Okay. Do you think women surveyors have the edge over men? Because generally when you do a survey, you do see the woman of the house. So a woman to woman would probably see things differently. Do you have the edge over Alan when you're doing quotes together or against each other rather?
1: Well, the modest answer would be that I would always defer to my husband who has more experience than I have. (laughs) But the professional me would say, of course, I'm the better half. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't think it is a case of being better than or having the edge over. I think it depends on the client. And what I would probably comment is that It is actually down to the office team and whoever takes the call from the client booking the survey to read the client and decide whose approach is best with that client as a surveyor because we have very different surveying styles. I would regard myself as someone who wants to achieve a 100% success rate. I'd love to think that I appeal to anyone that I survey from a sales point of view because I believe I understand what my client is looking for. But you have to throw into the mix that there are so many different moving circumstances. And I think Alan is a removal man at heart and I'm not a removal woman. I don't go out doing moves. So he has certain knowledge that when he talks to a client, when he either turns up at the property or does a video survey, he might see a job and straight away he knows how this client is going to be because he's done so many of those types of moves over the years. And they're usually multi-van moves, but not where it's all priceless antiques. It's where they've got some really nice pieces of furniture, but also loads of outside stuff and even fence poles, rolls of chicken wire. They're digging up 20 plants from the garden. And he's brilliant at discussing the pros and cons of what is viable to take as a professional mover and the customers paying for and what they should ask the gardener to take. So he's really good at that. Whereas my approach will always be, I will quote for whatever my customer is asking me to do. Then I will politely give them my professional opinion on what is cost effective and what is not. And I like surveying anybody a young couple, a single person. I love all customers because I pride myself that when I do the survey, I understand what they want. I understand that this is a home because I've got a home too. And I've got relations who aren't married. I've got elder relations. I've got experience of family members in all types of scenarios so it doesn't matter what the customer circumstance is if they're going through a bereavement or a divorce i get it and what i try to get is that they've chosen us to ask for a survey so already they're thinking i think this company might give me what i'm looking for as a moving experience so how can i help that become that they choose me well They've got to trust me, haven't they? And actually, that's ultimately what I want. I want to be transparent in what I'm offering them. And I I want to give them whatever knowledge they want from me about the move, whatever questions they have. It doesn't matter if I've been asked that question 50,000 times before. They can ask me because that's my job. Do you know what I am? I'm a service Colin. I give a service. That's
0: what the removal is at the end of the day, isn't it?
2: It's just one big service.
1: Absolutely. But do you know what, Colin? As a business owner, back when we started talking and I said to you, oh, God, what do I do? Well, I I make a cup of tea as well. Because (laughs) because I will walk in from a survey appointment, perhaps a bit tired and thinking, oh, my golly. (laughs) Because you do hear and see some strange things out at survey appointments sometimes, and you do come back thinking, oh, crikey, what a job. How are we going to do this job? How's best to do this job? I'm already thinking in my mind, I've got to work this job out now. And I think I need a cup of tea and a biscuit. I need a sugar boost. (laughs) And then I think, oh, it's three o'clock. So actually, so do my team. So the team, you know, team needs a cup of tea. So it's like, anybody want a a drink? It's like, oh, um, yeah, I'll have a coffee. So it's tea and coffee for the team. And then let's get to it. Let's get quotes out. and. It's always, how can we best help this customer? What can I do for this customer? So everyone in the team has to have that ethos. How can I help? And I truly believe that in a removal company, it doesn't matter what role you play. It doesn't matter whether you're accounts, it doesn't matter whether you sweep out the warehouse, it doesn't matter whether you are a, yeah. a porter on the van, it doesn't matter whether you run that crew. You have to like people and you have to want to help and serve. Because if you don't, you shouldn't really be in our industry. And it's just so much harder to manage someone that doesn't really like everybody, all types of people. And actually, that's a big ask, isn't it, Colin?
0: Oh, definitely.
1: (laughs) So when it comes down to qualifications to work in the removal industry, we're actually asking an awful lot because you really do have to really like people. Because we deal with some fantastic people and we deal with some really, really challenging, difficult people.
0: But that's one of the attractions of this industry is the people that you're, a, working with, but also the customers.
1: Yeah. Well, when a customer says, do you know what, Mrs. Bennett? I've never had a good move. I've learnt over the years that that does quite often mean that it's because they are horrific to move. Yeah. But yeah. there is different. It's not reasons. that
0: they had a bad move from oh. a previous removal company. No. It's no. they're a nightmare.
1: They're just very difficult. Some people just don't care about their move and actually end up making it incredibly difficult for the Are those people. the ones
0: you walk away from. I don't I don't um, want to price that.
1: Well, again, hopefully it's a lot of the new <laughs> walk away from it. Not if it's quiet. Well, true. <laughs> but if it's a traditional February, well we all want that job. <laughs> because you know, it's not about profit, it's about covering overheads because it yeah. costs a lot of money to run a removal company. That's the other thing. You know, you're saying to me about professionalism. um, How do we become more professional? Does the customer not realise how much it costs to purchase an HGV, a new HGV? No,
0: but they're not interested.
1: Ah, yes, but they're interested in um, having a greener planet, aren't they? And, And us all being ecologically friendly in our businesses. So to do that, we have to be looking at Euro 6 and shortly Euro 7. How much are those vehicles? A big issue in our industry, I believe, at the moment is affordability of Upgrading your fleet to be able to even go into the cities and places that we will need to go that aren't currently LEZ zones but will be because the jurisdiction and legislation of the people on high dictate that that is what we must do to save our planet. But they are not looking at the nuts and bolts of our industry and the affordability to buy an HGV 18 tonner that costs over £100,000. Depending on what you want, £200,000.
0: Will they be prepared to pay for it in the future? Move.
1: Am I right in thinking, Mrs. Bennett, that it's going to cost me around £500 to move? (laughs) What are we supposed to pay our staff from, not at the minimum wage, but at the living wage? Something that we committed to quite some time ago now is we pay at the living wage, not the minimum wage, because staff have family overheads. They have Rent and mortgages and bills and school uniform and birthday presents. Who doesn't deserve a comfortable life, as in an affordable life? Who doesn't deserve that? Everyone deserves that. And if they are working 40 plus hours a week, then it's got to be affordable, hasn't it? So, oh, yes. who is saying that we should be paying, or is it right that any customer should be expecting to pay 500 quid for a move that's got 40 man-hours on it. Yeah, yeah. Is that part of it that the customer that has had a bad move in the past will be frightened and will only contact professional movers who have got a very good reputation, possibly on recommendation, and will be looking for a professional mover that is likely to be a BAR member. Not always, but likely, because they're looking for that reassurance. So they will look for other things. They will look for extra comfort on the choice. But isn't it a shame if you have to have a bad move to be prepared to pay for a good move? And then it's back to that old chestnut of, okay, so does it mean that you have to pay a lot of money to get a good move? Well, with the greatest respect, unless there's no completion situation, you're not going to get a good move from someone who's got one Luton van if you're moving 4,000 cubic feet. So does that tell you where we move as an industry? Because I operate big HGVs right down to three and a half tonners and we do all types of move. Do you know what, Colin? When I started off, four bed detached was 1800 cubic feet because you didn't have rattan patio sets that didn't collapse Um, you didn't have swing chairs you didn't have 30 (laughs) pots you didn't have a workshop and a business in the garage you know an ebay business in the garage you just didn't have all this extra stuff that we have now so i think a four bed detached is now more often than not 2300 two and a half thousand cubic feet depending on where it is and the outbuildings if it's a property on a housing estate which is limited to a garage and a shed in the garden, hopefully it'll be about two 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 three, but it's just not eighteen hundred cube anymore so straight away, you try getting a two thousand three hundred cubic foot van round a housing estate these days they're built for us to be able to park on the road alongside the house. but the roads themselves they're like rabbit warrens, you know trying to get round the bends in them and the turns. you have got to think really carefully before you take a six pallet van out yeah. and for that reason, we actually we sold our six pallet van a few years ago now because we got it because of the storage and thinking often we used to have this thing that jobs were four to five containers and then it became five to six containers was the more common. And also if we could take six containers on that and three containers on a seven and a half tonner, that was nine containers and that was your 2000 cube move, if you like.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: And it, so it was two vans, not three. So it went because we just weren't using it enough because it wasn't accessible in London, in the cities, you just can't manoeuvre successfully with on-road parking and metered parking. You just can't get to these places with them. So it's not a case that, you know, oh, yes, we're going to get lots, of more three and a half tonners because they don't require the same regulation as big vans. It's not that. It's actually we've got to facilitate doing our job properly and actually access-wise, it's good to have a varied fleet so that you can oh, do all things to everyone. Yeah.
0: So, what is your high point of being in the industry? Now, Alan did say that it was taking you on as wife and business partner.
1: God, that's sweet, isn't it?
0: That's very sweet.
1: Oh, that's really nice, actually.
0: So, hopefully, he'll get a good dinner tonight.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, Colin, he had homemade cottage pie last night with Jean- Gina. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to spoil him too much. Um, do you remember I said that I'm only here because of A.C. Bennett Removals? Yeah. So I joined in 1998 when we were A.C. Bennett Removals. I managed the transition from A.C. Bennett Removals, sole trader, to Bennett's of Malvern Limited Company in 2004. We made the decision to buy the land and build before I'd looked into the fact that the increase in storage capacity and the way the company was going, it was more pertinent to become a limited company. And some people might disagree with this and particularly anyone who isn't a limited company, but there is a cost to becoming a limited company because you have to register your accounts at companies' house, you have to pay various fees. However, when you deal with other businesses that are limited, you are on a certain level playing field that you're a limited company and you are a proper business, a proper company. And I, please, I, don't, I don't want that to be misinterpreted. I don't mean that companies that aren't limited aren't proper companies, but it's just a perception when you're doing contract work, when you're doing tendering for moves particularly anything with county council with house building companies or development companies being limited puts you on a certain standing because they know that your accounts are audited they know that you have to operate in a certain way so we made the decision I spoke to Alan about it I said I think this is what we need to do he agreed with me and basically we went through the incorporation process and that was when I became a director and Alan I don't know if you'll mind me saying this, hopefully not. He didn't really want me to be a director because AC Bennett Removals was his. Yeah. And I understand that. Unfortunately, when I joined AC Bennett Removals, I didn't have any choice but to be an employee because it wasn't a partnership. Yeah. We were in the process of, you know how he couldn't wait to get married? Well, he couldn't wait to start a family either. So we were in the process of trying for a child. And my illnesses over few that I've had over the years in the business have been related to pregnancy and having children right. and they've been some difficult times but we went limited at that time and I became a director with Alan 50 yeah. 50 if you ask him he'll say it's 49 51 to him
2: <laughs>
1: because he just likes to have his little jest <laughs> but we are equal partners equal shareholders and I think that's fair because I do all the stuff he doesn't want to do <laughs> Yeah. To put it bluntly.
0: Well, the, the, clearly the two of you are a team, aren't you? We absolutely you are. You are a team of two.
1: We absolutely are. But he's always there at, by 7.30 in the morning, and I'm absolutely not. I do the child stuff first thing in the morning, and I don't have any children, so to speak, but I have, a, I have one more teenager. Yeah. It's, yeah, we are a team. We're a team in, in every sense of that word because we live together and we work together. So that's when I became... I believe an equal, I was quite insistent. I I actually, I think actually the conversation went, right, we're a limited company. So we need to, this is the forms that we need to send a company house. And oh, look, it asks about shareholding. What were you thinking about that, Alan? And his response would have been something like, well, how about 51%,
2: 49%.
1: (laughs) My response would have been with a few other words as well, something along the lines of no, I think equal partners, actually, if you want me to carry on doing all these things that you don't want to do, then, um, and he'd be, oh, well, you know, you fill it in and you do it. So he talks a good talk about he's in charge. He is the managing director. So I said to him, and, and he calls me the company secretary because it's just a little
2: bit
1: You know what, Colin, if it makes him happy. <laughs> That's it's all fine. that matters at the end it's of the day. Fine. I don't need to be managing director to do my job at Bennett's. I don't need to be an MD. I just do what I do, and I try and do it as well as I can with, with our team. So, and I can't remember what the question was. What was the question?
0: Your high point.
1: The high point. Oh, sorry. So, oh, my God, was that what it was? How earth did I get onto the equal shares of the, of the, um, the oh, I know, it was about, Alan said, I was, the high, I was one of the high points coming to work in the yeah. business. So I think to turn that on its head, for me, Alan having run his own business for nearly 11 years and saying to me, come and work for me and and set up the office. Because I think his words were, because I spend a lot of time at the hospital because running the business and finance of a hospital is quite a busy job. And I was really committed. I've always been 150% committed to whatever job I do and enjoyed it. So I used to be there a lot. When we had an internal audit, I'd be there overnight. Well, he wasn't having any of that, was
2: he? (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Traditional.
1: (laughs) Because you remember there was a short time scale between when we met and when we got married. Um, so after we got engaged, he said to me, he said, you seem to come home quite late, quite a lot from that job, because I used to go straight to his house sometimes, and I'd be in my work clothes. And he'd say, oh, have you not been home yet? And he was someone who would go home from work, have a bath, put his suit on, go and do his quotes, come back, work his quotes, stamp them up ready, and then post them on his way to the pub.
0: <laughs> ah, to- the good old days.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, but he's an absolute routine person. He changed my life we became a couple and we became legally attached through our home because we both had a house we met so we bought a house together we worked in a business together and then became legal partners in that business we then bought premises together we borrowed a lot of money together in fact you know what Colin be bloody impossible to get away from him
2: (laughs) <laughs>
1: um, i think he'd laugh at that actually he would
2: definitely And so
1: with all our, our friends and colleagues we are intrinsically <laughs> attached to each other through children marriage and business and i'm sure we actually annoy the hell out of each other on occasion but you know it's a rocky road but um we're still treading it together side by side
0: that's the and main thing
1: i've been through the 2008 crash. Alan has been through at least one or two before that. I think it might be two, and he has seen more difficulties from a financial and an economic situation than I have in our business. But the 2008 crash. I had just had our third child, huh, thinking to myself that we'd agreed that I would have some maternity leave this time. <laughs> Should have kept quiet. <laughs> really. And the crash happened after the 2007 high in the in the um, housing market, and basically. I can't remember what the um, property values dropped by, but it was quite a lot. And People were in negative equity, and it was all a bit crap, really. And basically, we had the awful situation where we looked at the team, we looked at how things were, we looked at the diary, and we had just joined Britannia, in fact, at that time as well. We'd been in Britannia since we spoke to them in 2007, and we were members by 2008. But we sadly missed the first conference because... They forgot to tell us about it because we weren't on the mailing list because we just joined. <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: I'm,
1: I'm quite honest. I think I went to my first dairy meeting in the April and the conference was in the May. And literally, we were still getting to grips with the joining requirements and what we needed yeah. to do because we were BAR members, but we didn't have the British standards at that point. And I'm trying to think whether that was a requirement then, but it certainly, I, I think it was. But we were a bit nervous because we were very honoured to be invited to join the group. We were approached by um, a gentleman called Paul Delo, who covered Warwickshire. Coventry. Yeah, Coventry, Warwickshire, yeah. And and he took us to an area meeting and asked us if we'd be interested in joining, having discussed really what Britannia is about. It's a cooperative, not a franchise. So we have shares in Britannia, not the other way around. Yeah. Being within a group where really no one's in charge, because you're all in charge, because you're all owner-managers, but we have Redhill and we have Mark Trezler at the MD of Britannia Movers International, and it works, you know. Mark understands the beast that is Britannia Movers. And it's such a, it has so much knowledge in it. There are some great industry professionals. I'm, I'm so grateful that I have persons such as David Trenchard, Mike Andrews, Mark Lane, Robbins out in Wales, Stuart Armandus from Sonsteads. There are lots of people that have been in business a long, long time. It's like a family, it really is. And that's not some tongue in cheek token gesture. It really is. The conferences are good. We've taken the children to a lot of conferences, and we've been fortunate to go abroad on occasion to places like Iceland. And, and we went to we had a conference in Monaco. It was an, an amazing experience. And I've been fortunate to do that with friends and colleagues because all my Britannia colleagues are business friends, but they're also great people to have a drink with at yeah. the bar, talk about the highs and lows of removals. And one thing I think the industry is brilliant at is we all know how to chew over <laughs> the challenges and, the, and the, the good things and the bad things and talk about the trials and tribulations of running a removal company. And we do share experiences and information, even with competitors. And I think it would be great if we could find perhaps a better footing to do that, because knowledge is king, but show is operating respectfully. and. Sometimes it's very quiet in the industry, except in the last two years. There are traditional quieter times in business, and usually it's February. And there are traditionally busy times, and that's what I said about you know companies that perhaps um, look to earn their corporation tax over the summer. So for me, meeting Alan and joining Bennett's has been a high point of my career. I think signing on the land and standing on a piece of scrubland. And Alan's saying, oh God, I hope we've done the right thing. And, you know, Charlie and Ellie were there with us and they were three and four years old. And Alan turned to Charlie and he said, just think, Charlie, there's going to be a great big warehouse on here and just think one day you'll be coming down. He said, you might even be working in it. And Charlie turned around and said, oh, I want want that, Dad, I want to do that. And isn't it funny, you know, now he's 21 and he's an HGV driver for us. Yeah. And he is there. And I can clearly remember that moment. And that was a real high point for me. If I go from three-year-old Charlie saying, yeah, yes, dad, little boy, you know.
0: And don't forget your daughter.
1: Well, she was there running over the rubble, (laughs) pointing at her, because we parked the vans down there quite quickly. And she said on that van and, and actually <laughs> we did name the van that she pointed out they all had names at one time and actually that was B.
2: yeah
1: and wow. there was a mrs b lorry and actually I, i'll never forget a client once said um oh I, I, can i have mrs b for my move
2: <laughs>
1: I, the office um, said to her um mrs bennett doesn't come out on the van said, oh no no sorry i don't mean it like that I mean, can I have Mrs. B lorry because we had that one last time, and my boys love the Mrs. B lorry. When we when <laughs> we land in London, we see the Mrs. B lorry. They say that's the lorry that moved us, Mum. And yes, yeah, so they actually asked for the Mrs. B lorry, so uh, we haven't got that Brilliant. one anymore. <laughs> it's gone. Oh. It's gone to the um, I don't know where it is actually. I like to think it's being used by somebody else. Hopefully, it's not in the uh, removal lorry yard in the sky. I don't know. <laughs> so, so yes, yeah, signing that land was definitely a high point. Being asked to be included in the candidates to join the Board of Britannia Movers International and then being voted onto the board for the Western area, that was definitely a high point because I'd only just had Harry. So I had a, a baby who was a few months old and it wasn't really the right timing, to be honest, Colin. And I did think I should have said no, but I'm afraid the business me thought, oh, I really, really want to be involved in the knowledge and decision making process of the animal that is Britannia Movers International and, and the cooperative. And it was a really great time, actually, a really great time, a time of change. And it's it's a long time ago now, it was 2009, three years, and you do a three year mm. term, they did then limit it to two terms of three years. But I've got to be fair. I hope Alan doesn't mind me saying this, but Alan actually said to me, this is so hard with a baby and you being away sometimes. I wasn't away much. And I did used to, oh God, I used to get up at four in the morning to get the train. So I wasn't away at night. (laughs) I used to get back quite late, not only a few times a year, but um, just being on the phone and doing emails in the evening when there was um, something to discuss, you know, you had to give time to it. And I couldn't give it in the day because I was too busy working and childrening. And then when I put them to bed, I needed to be back on phone or email sometimes. It was really hard and I said to Alan, I will only do three years and I would love to have done longer, but that was my time and I'm so grateful for that time. I'm so grateful for the opportunity afforded me by the membership to be there for the membership and it is all about the membership. It's not about Bennett. I didn't take the board position to go and trumpet about what we were doing. It was all about representing the thoughts and requirements and hopes of the membership. And I really enjoyed that time. And, and now we're lucky enough that Alan got voted onto the board last year. And cool. he's doing his turn, which it isn't a thing that you get a turn at. You have to be voted on. But yeah. it's great to see him because he's a proper ideas man. And I think I'm perhaps more of a process person, but I think he's really enjoying it. And I think he's got something valuable to give. So I'm really proud of him, really proud of him for being on the board. And it's good. He's got two more years to go. So... They've got the benefit of the enigma that is Alan Bennett.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, I'd say that joining Britannia Movers and, and being voted onto board, that's the high point. And now my two eldest children, Ellie and Charlie, Ella and Charles, coming into the business, very proud that they have chosen to come into the business because it wasn't a given. And in fact, I actually thought they wouldn't come into the business for various reasons, including the fact that it is, you know, it's an animal. It takes a lot of time. A lot of hard work, but they have. That's another high point, is actually having another generation because Alan and I are first generation and Eleanor and Charles are second generation. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, it's really great to see. And they're part of the BAR Young Movers, which I think there's really great people coming through in the Young Mover groups. I hope they don't think, oh, BAR Young Movers. Well, we're not in the BAR, so we can't do that. I hope they think, do you know what? What's that all about? Chat to... um, Mairead Armandras, she's chairman. Alex Lane is involved. yeah, And lots of other people. Those are two Britannic colleagues that I know. They've got lots of knowledge and they're such a friendly bunch, you know. It's really great to enthuse the next generation about how we might do what we do because it won't always be the way that perhaps I think things should be done. And we have to be open to the new way, don't we?
2: Oh, yes.
0: Oh, yes. We have to let the youngsters have their turn.
1: Quite right too.
0: I sincerely hope you enjoyed episode 56 of Moving Matters. Please rate, review and subscribe in your favourite podcast player of choice and please tell your industry colleagues about Moving Matters. My thanks and appreciation go to Judith Bennett of Britannia Bennetts of Malvern for giving up her time to record this episode. Thank you again, Judith. If you would like to know more about Britannia Bennetts of Malvern and the services they provide, then you will find links within the show notes for this episode and on our webpage, movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. And please, if you have a funny moving story that can be relayed to our listeners or you would like to be a guest on the podcast, then do reach out to me by completing the contact form on our webpage, movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. Well, that is all from me. So until next time, keep moving.